Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 44 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Callan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in theatre on the Isle of Man, chatting to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little more about the shows and the people behind them, and also what our Mike's born and bred performers are doing further afield. Coming up on this week's podcast... I'm joined by Kate Cowley and Phil Bird from the Manx Operatic Society, of head of their production of Annie Get Your Gun at the Gaiety Theatre, which opens later this week. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through all the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Whilst you're there, make sure to give us a like and click subscribe or follow or whatever it is you need to do to make sure you never miss an episode. Well, it's been a busy few weeks since the last episode, with the service players, Kensington Arts and tailoring productions holding casting sessions for their upcoming productions of One Man, Two Governors, Disney's Frozen Junior and Kinky Boots, respectively. Taylorian's cast includes Casey Crane as Charlie Price and Victoria Wilde as Lauren, Kate Stobart as Nicola, Matt James as Factory Manager George and Mark Britton as Mr Price. All the principal roles will be played by David Lyons, Alice Quayle, Lois Mooney, Julia Bratty, Mandy Griffin and Peter Shimon. The role of Lola is still to be cast at the point of recording. It's also nice to see that the arts ed boys, Reese McGowan and Harrison Langham, who we met last year on the podcast for 42nd Street, will be back for another summer on the Isle of Man. Once again, director-choreographer duties will be carried out by Chris Cummings, and the musical director will be Kelvin Towes. Madfa's Easter Festival of Plays kicks off at the Gaiety on Saturday the 8th of April and runs every night through to Friday the 14th of April. In a change to previous years, the Wanak Festival and the Festival of Full-Length Plays have been combined, although will still run as two separate competitions. The programme for the week will alternate between a night of full-length plays and a night of two or more Wanak plays, with the Wanak plays showing on Saturday the 8th, Tuesday the 11th, Wednesday the 12th and Thursday the 13th, with the full-length plays filling the gaps on Sunday the 9th, Monday the 10th and Friday the 14th. There will be an adjudication for each production each night following the performances, and the awards for each competition will be presented on the Friday night following the final performance. Tickets are £15 per performance for adults and 12 for under-16s and over-65s, or for £77 you can buy a season ticket and attend all the performances. A full list of the performances is available on the Villa Gaiety website, where you can also book tickets, and on the Madfer Facebook page and website. Now, we covered this on our social media posts, but on the 12th of February, at the 23rd annual What's On Stage Awards, Joe Locke was fortunate enough to have won the Best Professional Debut Performance Award for his performance in The Trials at the Donmar Warehouse. Now, make sure you keep up to date with what's going on between episodes by following Manx Theatre Podcasts on both Facebook and Instagram and at Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. Right, down to business. I'm joined in the studio today by leading lady Kate Cowley and her co-star Phil Bird from the Manx Operatic Society ahead of their upcoming production of Annie Get Your Gun, which is playing at the Gaiety Theatre in just a few weeks' time. Kate and Phil, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello. Yeehaw, hello. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, you're getting the spirit there straight away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm in character the whole time. Brilliant. So the, the show is Annie Get Your Gun. This is a slightly newer version of the show. So the show was originally done way back in like 1946. And yeah. there was a film in the 50s with Betty Hutton. Yeah, and Howard Keel. And Howard Keel, stalwarts of, of Hollywood movies. Yeah. Do you know, originally that, that part was supposed to be for... Judy Garland. Judy Garland. It yeah. was, and yeah. she, she actually filmed a couple of numbers. We had a viewing night, and on the... Going back now, people won't know what this is. A DVD. In the <laughs> special features, they had a couple of the scenes that Judy actually filmed. And oh, it was very, very mm, different yeah. to how Betty um, Hutton yeah. went on to play the role. It's, it, yeah. it was. She was terrible. She was. Um, you could <laughs> tell she wasn't in a. Yeah. She was not she was in not a, a great place. place. Um, not, yeah. not in a prime. No, no, not at all. And it would have been a very, very different film i think if mm. she had continued with that role and betty hutton hadn't taken it because bessie hutton really established what that role was yeah so yeah great well now this one then this is the the 1999 this is the stone the peter stone version yeah so it was it was rewritten for a broadway revival in 99 yeah with bernadette peters yes mm. wow so there were there were some changes then to, to the show just to bring it up to date a little bit more yeah so the main thing is that it's not set in the wild west it's set in the big top so it's in a circus uh-huh. that obviously uh, colonel bill still is, is the ringmaster yeah. of kinds and they've taken out a few numbers they've added a few numbers in so you don't there'll be some numbers that not everybody knows yeah but all the really famous ones are still there yeah and it's got a slightly it's got a twist on the ending, slightly. It just brings it up to date, yeah, basically. It, it modernises it. It's it more suitable for modern times. Yeah. Would be a polite way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, 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 there are quite a few of the older shows like that. They're thinking, actually, you probably couldn't do that now because, you know, you, know, you, couldn't, you can't play that part or you shouldn't be blacking mm. up like that and things like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But it is, I think now it... it You'll you'll know all the music, you'll know the storyline, but it just has a, a proper sort of modern twist to it, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it feels like a modern show. It's very much one of the classic American musicals of the yeah. 50s of that yeah. time. The Oklahoma and the South Pacific and the Carousel and Showboat, these sort of great American musicals. But unfortunately, yeah, it... it it got a little bit left behind. I don't know why, because the music's fantastic. Mm. Cause yeah. Irving Berlin wrote the music, and it's absolutely cracking, to be fair. But the story was, yeah, it was a little bit, uh, I think, uncomfortable in the modern day. Yes. I'm trying to find a polite way of putting it. It's <laughs> probably the way it sort of treats the, the, the Native Americans, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That and also the battle of the sexes as well a bit. Yeah. So, but yes, predominantly the, the treatment of, of Native Americans. Um, Which is probably not the way the original sco- <laughs> script referred to them. Well, no, no, no. no. So uh, it, it, it's been brought into the modern age. Which is great because it gives you an opportunity to sing some of these fantastic songs. Yeah, yeah. I think it works well now. It, it's set in Buffalo Bill's circus, so there's almost an element of the great showman about it. Yes, yeah. which brings a new dimension to it and a. Uh, it throws a different twist on it, and you can do some things with the with the staging of it that you couldn't do before. It was a very um, 
uh, old-fashioned show from a staging point of view, in which yeah. there were a lot of scene changes, a lot of bringing in cloths and, you know, f- 50 scene changes of, of dead silence while everyone rushed around sort of changing the set, <laughs> um, which nobody wants anymore these no. days. But the beauty of putting it in a circus and, and it being dealt with by the whole cast is the whole cast moved the set yeah. that we've got, and it's that's very much part of the show as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that the cast are moving the set is because they're putting on almost like a production of Annie Get Your Gun yeah. um, in the big circus. So they're building the so, ring and they're building the tent. Yeah, and it yeah. all gets put together as you go. It's but. almost like a show in a show, isn't it? It that is, sort yeah. Of, that sort of concept, because the, even with the introduction of it, because the show opens with there's no business like show business. Mm-hmm. And that is where sort of the characters get established, but buffalo bill sort of introduces the idea Mm. of that they're they're telling the story of annie and frank yeah um and then we're sort of going back to the origins of that it's yeah it's a really clever way Mm. of bringing Mm. it into a modern sort of feeling so just give us a little bit of an overview of the story then for anyone who doesn't really know the show what's what's the 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 rough story to it well it's it is essentially a love story it is yeah between annie and frank frank is the greatest sharpshooter in the world annie is country bumpkin has never been out of where she lives and basically their worlds collide and much to frank's annoyance annie appears to best him (laughs) and so then it's just their sort of journey together and then what will they won't they sort of make a relationship will they won't they be able to be together when they're constantly battling against each other and then it's also a sort of annie's journey from nothing yeah and and being very almost subservient yeah. to frank and then her finding her way right. and finding who she is and you know being able to stand up for herself and say no and then how that sort of works then how how frank and annie then work together with that change and in, in annie's personality and am i right in thinking he goes off to a rival to the west show yep mm-hmm. yeah well, yes, and well, no, yes, I suppose yeah. he does. He has yes. a tantrum. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, he does. He throws his toys out of the pram, really, and he joins a rival show. Annie joins Buffalo Bill's show. Frank was already in Buffalo's Bill, Bill's show. Yeah, Annie joins Buffalo Bill's show, and Frank then goes off to the to the rival show with his partner at, at that time, his shooting assistant. Yeah, and Buffalo Bill goes off uh, to the UK and Europe touring around Europe, uh, shooting at Queen Victoria and other dignitaries. <laughs> um, uh, Why not? And, uh, As you do. <laughs> and then comes back and, of course, is completely broke. So uh, and then it's uh, also a story of, you know, how, how are they going to continue when they've got no money? Yeah. He was obviously siphoning his money off and, and putting it into to building his own little, little town. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yep. I mean, this is something I discovered <laughs> recently because, I mean, I've been doing my, my, my family tree for a couple of years now. I think we all did. It all started in lockdown. That's that's how it goes. Get, gets going, and uh, I discovered with a little sort of notification I got the other week that it's some spurious relative. It's like a great great aunt's brother in law left the Isle of Man as a stonemason in like 1911. So just before the the First World War broke out, and he ended up in this little place in Wyoming called Cody. And I was looking behind it that it's this little town that was founded by. Buffalo Bill Cody himself, mm-hmm. and he built a dam, and he was helped build the dam, and then cost. Yeah. Then he'd, then Buffalo Bill had 
but obviously using the money that he'd made off off the shows to build hotels and a dude ranch and all sorts of things. So obviously investing all his money into the town is why the, the show went bankrupt. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's quite nice to be playing characters who actually mm. existed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got something to hang your characterization on to mm. some extent. Okay, I mean, it might be just the fact that I've grown a stupid beard and a moustache for the show. And, um, no, it, it's an impressive beard. It's, <laughs> it's very distinguished, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I worry that I have a look of Colonel, Colonel Sanders about me. <laughs> um, especially how, so I'm going to try and avoid wearing a white jacket during show week. And you might want to stay away from KFC. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I might just go in and say, hello, look, here I am. Free KFC, please. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, no, as I was saying, it's, it's quite nice to play real-life people. Yeah. You don't always get that opportunity. Mm. No. Yes, sometimes you do. There are some musicals that are based on real people, but but this one actually is uh, it's quite it's quite nice from that point of view. And yeah, you can you definitely. can do a bit of research about the yeah. real person then as well. You're yeah. not just relying on someone else's performance of it. That's it. It's like well, I've I've done a fair bit of research on. I'm annoying everybody in the cast because <laughs> I keep posting stuff. <laughs> but I've done quite a lot of research, and me and Annie share a birthday. Yes. We're both born on the 13th of August. We both are, are five foot ish so we're both short but once i sort of got into it the the show itself reflects so many parts of annie's mm. real life yeah. that actually took place so annie and frank really did meet at a shooting match yes. annie really did beat him they they went on and got married they were married for over 50 years wow. and they literally i think one of them passed away and it was literally a few weeks later that the other yeah. one passed away yeah. and they were together that whole time yeah. she really was adopted by chief sitting bull right she really did travel with yeah. colonel yeah. bill's troop it's it's so much fact yeah. in the in the show itself it's so so interesting to look into it all yeah annie died first that was it and yeah. then frank stopped eating and effectively starved himself to death oh wow um, and died very shortly yeah. afterwards wow. uh, whether you can say that's, you know, we died of a broken heart or not, I don't know. Mm. Maybe you've just gone slightly bonkers. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that, but that's uh, apparently the story is that he stopped eating as soon as she died. Yeah. Um, so I'd they'd like had to this think I'd really... do that to my wife, but I'm not actually sure that would be true. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry, darling. <laughs> it's sweet, though, that they, they had that such a long relationship yeah. oh, yes. and I they were so I, dedicated I to they were, each other they were married i think for 50 years yeah. or something i mean yeah. we're not talking like you know a couple of years i mean this is a long marriage yeah because annie was in reality i think only something like 15 when they yeah. first met yeah so uh he he i think had been was a bit older yeah and had had previously been married and had children um but but they fell in love with each other and it so it is really a a love story, and yeah. that's and it's great to. I mean, okay, it's it's not what you see every day in in the yeah. theatre because it's it's that a musical from a different age. Yes, and it's nice to do that. I think sometimes in the theatre we get a bit hung up on oh we've got to be doing the island premiere of something we've got to be the first to do this marvelous new show and we forget about some of the old real classics yeah and ticket sales have indicated that people still want to see them yes you know that's good um which which is good because it gets an opportunity for us to do some shows that you know have been around a while but don't get visited very often yeah um, and it's reintroducing those shows to the next generation. Yeah. yeah. That re and and people will come and younger people will come and they'll hear the music and they'll go ah, 
I know that song, yes. and now That's I know where, where it it's from. from. Yeah. yeah, exactly there, there, that. There are some earworm songs in it. Mm. I mean, I defy anyone to be going out of the theatre without humming something from the show. Yeah. Because it's that, um, whether you want to or not, I'm afraid, it's, <laughs> it's those sort of songs. Yeah, anything you can do, I can do. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I never realised that was this from the show. Well. I didn't either. Go. I didn't until we got yeah. the script. And yeah. oh my gosh, it's been so much oh. fun doing that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> <than> me. Yeah. <laughs> when you're really saying like you know, you'll hear music and you'll know it from somewhere, but you won't realise where it was. Now, yeah. we probably listened to Elaine Page on Sunday on, on Radio Two, and it wasn't until I think it was 2014 I did Sunset Boulevard, and we were sat in rehearsals one day, and we got to the interval, and suddenly this big sort of fanfare comes in which as the as the curtain comes in on Act 1 and that's the fanfare that ends Elaine Page on Sunday. I'm like, that's where oh, it's from! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we always, me and David always listen to the Elaine Page show and then we play the game of, you know, when she puts a song on, you have to guess the musical. <laughs> and if it's like a really modern sounding one with loads of girls singing, I'm like, it has to be six. <laughs> Every time. I don't know any of the music from the show, but I'm like, it has to be that one. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> it's, it's confusing when they throw in something from Anne Juliet and you go, why is she playing Britney Spears? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the creative side of things, we've got Jeremy Tustin back as director. And yeah. Jeremy did both versions of the of Les Mis with the DCU and with Makes Up Our Anxiety. Mm-hmm. And he also directed Ghost, which sadly yeah. never made it to stage because of our wonderful friend, Mr. <laughs> COVID-19. It has been a, a rough couple of years for, for, for Makes Ops. They, you know, they were days away from getting into the into the theatre on Ghost when that was, was cancelled and everything was closed down. And then they struggled the following year with some, some musical shows. And then last year with, with Sweeney Todd, the whole show was pushed back an entire week as... 80% of the cast got COVID during yeah. during uh, Tech Week, which was fun. I somehow managed to avoid it. I don't know how I avoided it, but I somehow <laughs> managed to avoid it. I was the only principal who didn't get COVID in that yeah. week. But no, this year, all well. Touch wood, all round. Yes, you know, yes. That doesn't seem to be an issue that's hanging around, so we're, yeah. we're in a good no. position. So... Yeah, how's it been working with, with, with Jeremy on, on this show? He's lovely. I've not worked with Jeremy before, but yeah, he's been great. He's He gives you a lot of direction, but at the same time, you can put your own There's a lot spin. of freedom to play with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally go with your own sort of spin and do some things if you feel like, oh, I might do this, I might do that. He's totally open to like workshopping things, yeah. which mm-hmm. is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, And he, yeah, it's just being able to put your own feel to your character yeah and i think it's really important to be able to do that because if you're playing the role if you're just getting told it has to be like this you you don't you can't really get into that character properly so having that little bit it of sounds freedom. like he's, he's kind of like that, that happy middle ground because sometimes you get directors that will give you every sort of footstep nod turn of the head and and, and angle of the head and you get directors that just go let's go with this you walk on over there let's go yeah <laughs> it's like, like yeah. a little bit of direction was well, i i i quite like like when I've worked with Scott St. Martin before, he will say, you start here and you end up over there and I don't really care how you get there, but just get your character there. Yeah. I really like that. I like being able to think about who I am and, and that's great, but it's not for everybody. So this And because we're on a very shorter rehearsal mm. schedule for this show because yeah. we started later, it's been nice to have the guidance and the freedom and just sort of bring it all together. So yeah. it, it's been, yeah, no, it's been great working with Jeremy. Yeah, I've not worked with him before, but you're right. He tells you what he wants in in a way that makes it feel like you'd thought that up yeah. yourself. Good. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he, he's he gently directs rather than 
Just push, shouts at you. Yeah. Just pushes you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's odd. I found myself doing things that I with it that I didn't expect to be doing with it when yeah. I first read through the script and looked at the character. Um, and I think that's because Jeremy's sort of gently nudged you in that direction <laughs> without actually saying, I want you to do it this way. It makes it feel sort of quite sort of, I hate the word, but it makes it feel organic. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also we've got um, we've got a new MD as well, mm. isn't there? I yes. think he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's no stranger to, to the... Uh, to the music scene on the Isle of Man, but uh, Chris Sullivan is is in as MD for the first time. Yeah, yeah he is the most enthusiastic person ever. Yeah, he I, is brilliant. I think he is stock staring bonkers to be yeah. honest. Um, he would say that. About I love himself, him to bits. So. He is he is such a clever man musically. He yeah. understands music inside out, and he's got a good way of of teaching it as well. He's done tracks for us, which yeah. uh, to help us learn music, to help us learn the parts. Yeah. Because to be honest, musically it can be a little odd, in as much as the arrangements are new, yeah. um, and it can be a little discordant until it's all put together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So trying to sing your own part can sometimes be a bit of a challenge because it sounds really weird. Sounds and wrong. You think I'm yeah. singing this wrong, yeah. Yeah. but you're not. But he's um, he's been really, really good from that point of view. And I've loved working with yeah, him. Yeah, I have. And yeah. I think we're very fortunate in as much as we've got both him and Jeremy for our next show as well. Right. Um, so that will be good. Yeah, but definitely. No, Chris has been a revelation. Yeah, he has. He's been fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So next year that's uh, Oliver, isn't it? It yeah. is. Ooh. Yeah. It's been an interesting one. Lots of kids as well. Mm, Always yeah. fun. Yes, we have got kids in this one. Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, so let's just have a look at the uh, at the cast actually, because um, well, Kate, you're playing Annie Oakley. Yep. And Phil, you're Buffalo Bill Cody himself. Yes. Then, as Kate's love interest, Frank Butler, we've got Daniel Sebastian Gray. So he's he's fairly new to the scene, isn't he? He's be he's professionally trained. Oh, so right. yeah. Oh, actually, no, he was. Um, he was in Elegies. Yes, yes, and he was also in the Panto not last year, year before, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he's villain, in yes. the Railway Children coming up as well. Oh. He's very busy. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, he's been great. He's been such a good support. I mean, he has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, has. he really has. He's been so helpful. Because my, uh, having not had a, had a proper lead role like this before, and also not knowing how much I was actually going to be on stage <laughs> and how much I have to sing, I have been panicking like crazy. But he's been so lovely, like just helping me. But like if I've if I think, oh, I don't know if I've said that line in the right way or something, he'll give yeah. me ideas. And he's been really, really good to sort of try and boost my confidence and other members of the cast as well. Yeah. He's been and you, so. You've good. had a few years away as well, haven't you? Yeah, six yeah. years yeah. and another baby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's been it's yeah it's been a challenge <laughs> to get back into it. <laughs> You've had a few years away as well, Phil, haven't you? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. The last show I did was chess with the Manx Operatic Society. So that was, yeah, it's 2018, 17, 18. I can't I remember. Someone around there. I think there. that was 2001. No, that was the first time. Oh, the oh so you were the second time. I was in the second time. All right, I did okay, it okay. again. Yes. Um, it was after Legally Blonde, wasn't it? The year yeah, after? Yeah, so it was 2018. Yes. I'm sorry, yeah, so it's been, well, this will be five years. Yeah, mm. not intentionally, just hasn't really happened i don't know why yeah. and i went to see sweeney todd um last year and got accosted in the uh, auditorium who <laughs> <laughs> were missus and uh they said oh look this is a show come down to do 
the, the next show and I thought, oh, yeah, well, I'm getting a bit old. I can't be bothered. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, hell, why not? I'll go down and see. <laughs> I mean, at the so, time, that was going to be curtains, That's wasn't it? right. It was going to be curtains. Um, and I saw some uh, curtains on the YouTube world. Yeah, I didn't know whether that was an acceptable thing to say <laughs> on a commercial on, station. On, um, on the internet. Right. <laughs> yes, on the internet, I saw a version of it. And the music was fab. And I thought, oh, this is good. Yeah, I'll do this. There's a part I could do, he says modestly. So I went down and, and did that. And then that sort of fell apart. And they said, oh, I need to get your gun. And I thought, oh, look, Bill. There's a part of a character called Bill. I'm good at Bills. This is, <laughs> a, this is the third character I've played called Bill. So I thought, I've got to do this. I played Wild Bill Hickok in um, Calamity Jane. And now I'm playing Buffalo Bill in this. So it's almost like completes the set with Bill Sykes <laughs> from Oliver. The first time I've done that as well. So I thought, well, yeah, I better try that. So And I was the right age, of course, and yeah. way too old for anything else. So... Uh, um, yeah, so I stuck with it and came back and did it. And I'm, I haven't regretted it at all. I've loved every minute of it. Brilliant. Looking else around the cast, then we've got uh, a long-time Manx operatic member, Tracy McCann, then playing Dolly Tate. Yeah. yeah. And we've got Dr. John Snelling as Chief Sitting Bull. He we yeah. have. So is, is, he the, the, is that the rival uh, Wild West show? No, that's um, it's no. Pawnee Bill's Wild West show. Chief Sitting Bull, he comes to watch our show yes. and is so enamoured by Annie, he breaks his rules and invests in show business. And right. so he becomes he part of be- the show. He becomes part of Buffalo Bill's show. Yeah. Because Buffalo Bill's show is, was not quite a rodeo, but he did sort of reenactments. So they reenacted the Battle of the Little Bighorn, for example, mm-hmm. with horses and Indians and uh, as part of his show. That's yeah. not in this show, but no. just by the way, there are no horses in the uh, <laughs> in, in our show. Not that I know of. I mean, who knows? I'm maybe coming on a bareback on a horse. I'm not quite sure yet. It's but, bad enough uh, trying to get a donkey for Jesus Christ. But uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, guarantee there are no horses. On but no, so, yes, yeah, so he, he becomes part of the show. Pawnee Bill is the other. Oh, another Bill I could play that as yes. well. Yeah. Um, Pawnee Bill is the rival show owner. And that's that's Mike Estella. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's his first time in a, in a, in a lead role. Isn't it, it is. Yes, yeah. bless him. He's doing a great job. He is. Yes, uh, he was great fun on uh, on Sweeney Todd last year. Um, so I'm guessing this is the the other sort of young romantic coupling. Is it uh, Winnie Tate and Tommy Keeler? Yes. yes. Which is Summer Patrick and Magnus Black. Yeah. Yeah, they're a knife throwing act. Right. Okay. So uh, they're, they're the um, yes, the, the young romantic couple, which is I think there was one of the songs in the original film. I don't know. I can't remember. They've yeah. they they've got certainly got more to do in this version than yeah. than the the original. So yeah. they're a sort of bit of light relief, I think. Give actually you a chance to get off stage and yeah, get changed, probably. <laughs> See, I think it's one of the only. I think there's only three numbers I'm not in, and two of those numbers are theirs. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very, very grateful. It was like it was like that in Jekyll and Hyde because I was the understudy for Jekyll and Hyde, and literally there were like three numbers in the entire show that Jekyll or Hyde are not in. Yeah, and one of those he's lying on the floor behind the bed, ready to stab. <laughs> yeah, so it's like. I'm getting a rest, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> Who else have we got there? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, Magnus. I met Magnus last year on uh, on Sweeney Todd, and I could tell he'd been bitten hard by the bug last year. Oh, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's nice to see that he's got he's got a role this year, so yes. that's good. And then sort of rounding off the lead roles then, we've got uh, Neil King as Charlie Davenport and uh, Mike Devereux as Foster Wilson. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, it's a good, strong cast, it isn't is, it? And yeah. we've, we've really, like, bonded really well. We have, yeah. Um, because obviously it's been a very intense rehearsal schedule and blocking period. But yeah, but it's been mm. it's been really 
good. We've all worked. I think. Well, I think we're all working mm. together so well. Yeah. Like uh, Tracy as Dolly is just. Oh, she's not so scream. Hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, she's a comic she's, relief. She really she, she is. And Charlie are the comic relief. Yeah. Um, they so, they are uh, they are brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the the more that we've sort of got through the rehearsal period, the more confident that Tracy's got with her yeah. with the yeah. comedy side of it. And oh my gosh, like the other night, the cast were like in stitches, <laughs> and I was like, they've seen this scene over yeah. and over and over again, yeah. but they just couldn't stop laughing because right. they were just hilarious. It was yeah. it was brilliant to watch. It's great to see Tracy in the lead role because like she's been there for a long time and she's she's always been her sort of like lead dancing roles and things like that. But it's not very often that she actually gets up and has a has a, a proper role herself. Yeah, I think the last time that I was with Tracy was Little Shop of Horrors when yes. she was Audrey. Yeah, and even even in this in this, she keeps saying things, and I'm like, oh, it's just like Audrey because <laughs> she keeps there's a, there's Is a scene, right? there's like a little there's a bit, and she goes glitter, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so look looking at the the ensemble, there, I mean, there's there's, there's quite. Quite a few there in the ensemble, and there's a real mix of old school, mm. long time Manx operatic members. But there's also, I look look down here, there's, there's quite a few young members as well. So it's yeah. a real mix. Mm, it yeah, is. it really it is. is. It's um, um, it's been lovely actually because it's quite nice seeing the ones that have a lot more experience helping the the lesser yes, experienced right, cast yeah. members and bringing them up through, and everybody's sort of helping each other out, which mm, is quite nice. Mm. Uh, it gives it, we've been able in this show to give some of the younger ones a bit more prominence than perhaps mm. they might have had yeah. um, in a different show um, and that's got to be great for the future for, yeah. For, yeah. for any society, yeah. uh, for their confidence and going forward, I mean Magnus for example, I know yeah. he's got a part but he's got a, a good, great career ahead of him mm. if he wants to progress here he, he's going to be very he, well he's talented now but he could be a, he's a leading man of the future absolutely yeah. no doubt and, about and it summer and summer well. is the same yeah. summer's incredible um you know we're giving uh some people a, a you know, almost their first opportunity which is quite nice yeah. yeah we'll be able to look back in a few years and say oh look i was on stage yeah like exactly we do with sam box oh yes yes, <laughs> yes I, I was assistant director when she did this <laughs> i taught sam box the routine to join the society when, <laughs> uh, when she did um Turn, uh, back to the back to the back 80s. To the 80s. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Is that your claim to fame? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I was assistant director. On that. Oh, well, I see. Dialogue director or whatever fancy name you want to call it. Actually, my claim to fame was that I was her last uh, amateur leading male. Oh, in Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, <laughs> that's my real claim to fame. You've also got a small group of of kids as well, isn't yeah. there? There's, there's a there's a junior ensemble. There is. They uh, they all play my little brother and sisters. And one of them is your daughter. One of them is my daughter. Oh. I'm so proud. Um, mm. She's the only reason that I'm in the show. So <laughs> basically, when they said they were doing Annie Get Your Gun and they needed kids, Aileen has did Annie with Centre Stage previously. And she'd just done, finished, I think she'd just finished Moana. Or Moana was on, maybe, at the time. And I said, do you want to go down to Manx Ops? And Mummy and Daddy have both worked with them before. Do you want? And it's where we met. So she said, oh, yeah, okay. We got down there and she was just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to audition if you don't audition. I said, well, I, I don't, I'm not going to do the show. So she was like, oh, you please audition. So I said, right, okay, I'll audition. And yeah, that's... Walked away with a lead. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, the only reason that I'm there was to be with her. Yeah. So the thought of us being on stage together, mm. 
is and I get to cuddle her at one point and she has like she sings to me at one point oh. so I was just like oh my god I'm, I that first show I if I don't know I'm gonna have to hold it together <laughs> <laughs> so if you see Annie crying it's, <laughs> it's not in the show <laughs> it, is, it is it is entirely scripted yeah sorry yeah <laughs> totally I'm a professional yeah. um yeah no I, I'm I cannot wait to be on stage with her and then with Oliver next year all of them even george and he's only five yeah he's like i want to be in the show <laughs> so like we might end up with all three of the cowley kids in next year's show as well <laughs> excellent actually there are there are a few manx ops juniors here aren't there yes there are yeah there's ailish kilgallen so she's is it david kilgallen's daughter yeah yes. yeah because the kilgallens have been involved all three all, all the kilgallen kids have been involved at some point yeah and we've got morgan smith as well his mum Lindsay's in the cast yes Oh, and Alexis Wilson as well. So that's uh, Chrissy Sutcliffe's daughter. So yeah. Chrissy's done a few shows with Mags Ups as well. And Alexa Ash, that's Joey Wilde's daughter oh, as gosh, well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so there's lots of them. Um, the are, next yes. generation coming through. And one of the girls is just young, one young singer, singer of man. man. Yeah. Anna. Yes, Anna Tamarova. Yes. Yes. yes, she's just one young Junior singer of man. young singer yeah. of man. Or, yes, marvellous. Yeah. Bless her, so... Uh, Brilliant. Well, the, yeah, no, the, the future's bright. Yes, yes is, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil Cullen. So how did the pair of you both get started? Oh, blimey. Back in in the dark ages, um, when I was at school, my my teacher was... I think I was about six. Yeah. So uh, my teacher was doing an amateur version of the Mikado, uh-huh. and she was playing the lead. And I went home and said to my parents, oh, I want to go and see my teacher in this show. Um, so they took me along and I sort of got sort of hooked from that point. Um, I didn't get on stage with my local society until I was 11. And then I was in every show for, uh, well, yeah, 20, 30 years almost <laughs> now. Wow. And 48 years later from that first day, I'm still doing it. Yeah. Um, so it, it sort of... The trouble with it is it grabs hold of you and it doesn't let go. Yeah. And you can't stop doing it somehow. You can take some years off. Yeah. But you go back to it because yeah. it's just got you somehow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, 1975 was the first year I went on stage. Wow. What would What would your first sort of proper name role be? Oh. And we're not talking well, about Joseph in the, in the nativity. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I did lots of little insignificant sort of back row of the chorus one line sort of just about had a name characters yeah um probably my first principal role was as the dresser in kiss me kate who sings too darn hot right and the society i was in we did did that in the january and then i moved away to a different part of the uk mm-hmm. and joined another society who were doing kiss me kate and didn't have anyone to play that part yeah and i played it again in their version just so in the august just so happens, touring, i just played it just touring so the i played UK it in two shows yeah i did it in surrey then i did it in gloucester Phil um, so, my tour. so that was probably it really then um and the, the society i was in in gloucester uh, was a great society it owned its own theater wow um wow. so we were putting on sort of four or five shows a year three plays a pantomime two musicals wow. as well as professional companies coming wow. in and comedians and wrestling and all kinds of things <laughs> so i spent my formative years pretty much working in a theater uh, amateur version of working in theaters doing a show every you know few weeks almost it yeah. felt like 
I mean, that's, I mean, when when you're young and you've got no other, other ties, it's so easy to do that. To oh, go. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've got that set up in like, there's a lot of, I mean, I've done it myself. I mean, I look at the list of shows that I've done and it's quite a big list, but actually there's there's a lot of them that are condensed into about six or seven years mm. where I've literally done Panto, Op Show, Play, mm-hmm. Play, Summer Show, Summer Show, mm-hmm. <laughs> Play, Panto. <laughs> it's, mm. it's it's very easy to get into that, like, well, what do I do, what do, I do now? The show's finished, what do I do now? Oh, rehearsals yeah. on Monday. Yeah. Let's go join that show in. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much every night of the week I was down in the theatre be it rehearsing, doing, you know, helping backstage for whoever was in, doing whatever show, yeah. um, you know, running the kids' group, whatever. I, I don't think, that I, I think, you know, occasionally got a Sunday off and that was about it. Yeah. I'm all help. They had a bar as well, so, you know, you ended up helping behind the bar too. Yeah. Um, but I did that for five years and it was fabulous. I loved it. Yeah, there's a, there's a place in, in Barnsley called the Lamproom Theatre. It's a lovely little theatre. I was there about five years ago with the uh, with the play from the service players. We won the, the One Act Festival, and mm-hmm. we got to take it away to the UK British mm. All Winners Final and p- perform there. And it was a lovely little theatre, literally about 200 seats at most, but they had a bar to the side, and they owned, they owned the, 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 the site, but they knew that... The bar was open before the show, it was during the show, and open for about three hours after the show wow. because they knew that they made a lot of money on that yeah. bar. Too and right. the longer that bar was open, the more the, more that the theatre could stay open. Yeah. yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, this was a 750-seater theatre as oh, wow. well. I mean, it was... So a, similar size yeah, to the gate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a fabulous theatre. I think... Uh, I don't think it's there anymore now. I think it, and they ended up having to sell it, and I think it became a bingo hall, and I'm not, not even sure yeah. what it is now. No, Car park. No. Probably didn't get <laughs> down there, which is a great shame because it was a lovely, lovely theatre. Yeah. What about you, Kate? How did you get started? So I never did anything really in my youth. I think I was in the Joseph Kids Chorus, like in with with David Artis actually and, and Gary, Gary Chappell, yeah, nineteen ninety five, ninety six, and apart from that was just because schools yeah. were asked, so I ended up doing that. I didn't do anything until I graduated from university in 2007, came home for what was meant to be six months to get some money behind me. Before 20 I... years later, I'm still here. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, did, I was going to do my six months here, and then I was going to move to London, and I was going to become a researcher for a media company. That was my plan. I went to the theatre with Mr Neil James King mm-hmm. and some friends to watch Back to the 80s. Oh, what a great show. Who was in that? I was in that show. I was in that. I was in that. enough, yes. <laughs> it was a fabulous show, guys. Um, and we went, <laughs> we went to the pub afterwards, and Neil and my other friend Kieran said to me, why aren't you doing this? Because they knew I loved to sing karaoke and stuff. They were like, look, you're, you're home yeah. for a few months. Why don't you go and do a show? Fill your time. So I was like, all right, okay. So I made Neil come down to the ops. Oh, no, it was uh, Johnny B. Oh, right. I worked with Johnny B at the time, and, and Neil knew him as well. So they, well, they said, were in bands together. Yeah, they yeah. were in bands together. So so they invited, they sort of got in touch, and they said, right, this is where you have to go. So I came down to the ops hall. I had to audition to join the ops, obviously, mm-hmm. so I sang a song. And there was some bloke there called Nelly who had to teach <laughs> me a dance routine to audition for the show, which I did. And I got the, well, you would call it the leading lady, I guess, opposite my now husband, David Kelly. (laughs) So then, yeah, that was basically, that was it. (laughs) Was that that Disco Inferno? Disco Inferno, yeah. um, Gosh, that was a bit of a whirlwind year for you then, wasn't it? It was, because, yeah, so me and David sort of started seeing each other quietly um because mr cumberledge was not happy about us being in a relationship because <laughs> he did he thought it might affect the show yeah yeah and then 
that was that was it basically david proposed at the end of that on stage at the end of that production we got engaged i obviously never moved to london 15 years later three kids <laughs> <laughs> that's it basically distant yeah yeah, yeah. So it's neil king's got a lot to answer for yes, it's, yes, well yeah. i keep saying this to him i was like it's all your fault and i've been asking neil to get into shows since then it took i have about been 10 years isn't it? i have been begging him i like literally all the time like come on you just have to join just come and join the society finally when he decided to do it i was in retirement so then i couldn't do any shows with him but obviously now you know it's uh, serendipitous that we've ended up in the sh- finally in a show together. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. What would be the favourite role that you've, you've played over the years? Uh, oh, that's hard. Do you know what? It would probably be um, one of the Ronettes in mm. Little Shop of Horrors. Shop, yeah. I have loved Little Shop of Horrors since I was young. My dad introduced me to it. Um, the music is amazing. The mm. film is amazing. The ensemble cast in the film is amazing. It's just always been one of my favourites. When that came up, I was dying to be one of the Ronettes <laughs> and I was so happy when I got Crystal. And I was just like, yes. Being able to sing all those songs and being able to just belt. There's so few mm. shows where you can belt and just give it a bit of pop yeah. sound to it and just play with it and, yeah. you know, really give it a bit of Aretha I was just like yes it was oh yeah I'd do that I would do that show again in in, in a heartbeat it was amazing Phil how about you my favourite role's a bit of a peculiar one I was in a show just actually before I moved to the island in 93 in the UK called Charlie Girl which is a very British 60s mm. comedy musical yeah um, starring in the West End originally Joe Brown, yeah, and then when he went out and left the the company, Jerry Marsden from Jerry and the Pacemakers played mm-hmm. the, the lead role. I played the lead role in that a character called Joe Studholm, and it's it's an odd musical. It's of its time, yeah. But I felt so comfortable in the role. Yeah. Sometimes there are roles you play where you don't actually have to act. Yeah. It's almost like, these, well, this is me. I'm playing myself here. Yeah. So I don't... So he was a handyman at a country house. He was in love with the youngest daughter of the of the, the woman who owned the, the house. They were short of money. He wins the football pools. Oh, right. Um, but doesn't want to tell anyone because he thinks that the, the daughter will get with him just because he's got money. Yeah. And it was just an easygoing, gentle, laughter-filled show, which is extremely unpopular for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. The music's great. I loved it, and I had a whale of a time, and I felt very comfortable in the role. Mm. So that would be my favourite role, I think. Aww. Something slightly unusual. Marvellous. Now, there's there's one thing, and I know that, that Kate probably has got a lot of stories for this one, and, and probably the majority of them actually involve her husband, but quite often things go slightly wrong on stage, or things have things have been changed, maybe? Probably not with the director's consent, but I mean, what are, what are the, like the, sort of the funniest things, or the, the strangest thing that's gone wrong on stage that you've somehow managed to sort of get round and cover a little bit, maybe? Uh, uh, I'm probably going to be telling David's stories, because I don't get involved. In that. I, I need to know exactly what's happening at all times, because I'm a control freak. But I when we I know when we did Hot Mikado... The second time round, yeah. The second time round, 
David was very poorly. Yes. Very, very poorly. Um, and we obviously didn't have understudies. So he was literally running off stage, vomiting in the wings, coming back on. And there's a scene where he had to get changed on stage <laughs> with shields, like, um, what are they called? Just like a screen, wasn't screens, it? Screens, yeah. yeah. So there was screens surrounding him, and he was literally having to vomit into his hat <laughs> and get changed, Ooh, and then go back round and play. Oh, and in Hot McCord, <laughs> he <laughs> had to trumpet. play a trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to play a trumpet, and he put something in the trumpet he shouldn't have put in the trumpet. And yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it got was, stuck, didn't it? It got stuck, and it was shaking. <laughs> And whilst trying to get it out, he was, trying, he was knocking it, he was banging it, he was bashing it. He tried to blow it out at one point, but it was wedged so hard that he nearly passed out yeah. from trying to blow it out. We had to take, I'm sure we had to take it. We had to get to, sent away, I yeah. Think, yeah, we had to send it away to get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's probably probably that show yeah. <laughs> that had all the stories. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But for me, for me, one of the, it's one of my first shows, and, and Phil was in this show as well. This was uh, Hello Dolly, yes. the first time round. Mm. And it was right near the start. I was... Barnaby, uh, no, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew James was was Cornelius Hackle, and I was Barnaby Tucker, and we'd just come up through the grave trap, which was our trap door to our our basement room, of and uh, we're just going into the start of put on your Sunday clothes, and Matt's singing away, and I suddenly realised that Matt has forgotten the words and has gone into full on pub singer version, <laughs> and I'm looking at him going, I don't know what the words are. There's no way I can help you out of this, and then just suddenly he just girls and white for the person. I just suddenly launched back. At the, Oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> so after he's going, did you see him go wrong? No, I didn't really. It went wrong. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> no, I once had to carry a chicken on stage, a live chicken. Oh right, that was quite interesting. Um, that was in a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Um, it's not out of place then. <laughs> well, no, it probably wasn't. So there was a, a man in the wings holding the chicken. Yeah, and I had to go off get the chicken. And come on stage, and of course it was flapping and squawking. And I mean, I, I, to this day, I've no idea why I needed a chicken. But, uh, <laughs> it was just the director said, "Oh, we're going to have a chicken." Give us the film. It'd be funny. <laughs> funny, Phil, Phil. And I was wearing like this white sheet because yeah. it was it's obviously Roman, so yeah. uh, uh, there was the costumes were minimal to say the least. Um, so I was, had this white sheet on and, and was carrying a chicken, and uh, <laughs> for some bizarre reason, uh, I don't think anything went wrong particularly with it, yeah. but it just seemed. To very peculiar thing to be doing so that's, that's certainly a, a weird thing i've yeah. had to do on stage note to self speak to jeremy get <laughs> phil a chicken <laughs> yeah. it'd be, be perfect in a wild west show well yes so. i'm be, shooting yeah. birds the well, whole yeah, time so. there's mention of a poodle a lot so, yes uh, yeah we could we could have a poodle in it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do talk about we do talk poodle about a lot. poodle a lot yeah there's a poodle gets uh, mentioned i don't know who's playing the poodle i don't know uh, we'll have to have a look in the cast list <laughs> and it could be a part, part for you neil oh my <laughs> I think I'm free that week. <laughs> so think a bit about about costumes. Um, yeah, we've, we've done shows over the years. I've probably had varying budgets as far as costumes are concerned. <laughs> uh, what are possibly the best and or worst costumes that you've ever had to wear? I never complain about costumes. No, I am. Um, you could put me in a bin bag, and I wouldn't really care. Yeah. Um, only because I just think if it's the director's vision or if that's what they want you to wear. I just go with it. Being wardrobe mistress must be a dog of a oh, job anyway. Yeah. No, so I'm just grateful to have a costume exactly. some, some stage, no matter what it is. Yeah. But for me, I once uh, I was playing Bill Sykes, so back to playing different Bills, I was playing Bill Sykes, <laughs> and I had a big black 
overcoat. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, this is comfortable. This, this is me. And I looked inside, and it had the name Rex Harrison written <gasps> inside it. And I thought, oh, Rex Harrison, you know, Rex Harrison, my fair lady, uh, the original Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah. Rex Harrison's worn this coat. This is me, yeah. Oh, look, I'm important. I've got Rex Harrison's coat on. <laughs> so so that's, uh, that's my best costume, just because I thought I was as good as Rex Harrison. Yeah. That's amazing. I'd probably sing as well as him as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a shirt in uh, Sunset Boulevard, which was one of the accountants from the producers, so from the West End. <laughs> so oh. this shirt's been on the West End. I have, the shirt has. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh no! This is a new one, actually. So this is this is one that I've I've only asked once before with with, with Peter Shimon on the last one, and of the last sort of ten fifteen years, there's been quite a lot of big new shows that have come out with some really great parts and and some some great lead roles in there. But obviously, some of us are knocking on a little bit now, and we're, we're not there for the the youthful leads anymore. We're we're into the the mum and dad roles. Is there a a new show? Or maybe not even necessarily a new show, but a show that you, you've not had the opportunity to do that has a, a role that you would love to play, but you just can't anymore because you're not 22 anymore. <laughs> yeah, there is. But it hasn't actually been written yet, if this <laughs> makes any sense. I know the role I want to play, yeah. but no one's written the musical yet. All right. uh, bear with me on this. There's a current phase at the moment for making old films into musicals. Uh-huh. You know, Ghost and, and The Producers, Young Frankenstein, mm. Dirty Dancing, Ghost. All these sort of shows are being made into films, yeah. which is great. Well, I've come up with a new genre all right. which we need to start making musicals of, and, and that is the great British sitcom. Now, I know that there's only Fools and mm. Horses already. That, yeah, yeah. Paul Whitehouse has done, which is doing great in the West End but the, there's real scope for me uh, imagine Dad's Army the musical oh, fantastic yeah. what characters that yeah. would be a, a hoot well I want to do wait for it everybody Allo Allo the musical <laughs> and, the, and the part for me René Artois no, no the part for me is Officer Crabtree <laughs> you know, the, good morning <laughs> do you know <laughs> I the the service players did a, a production of of a lower low yes. about five or six years mm. ago, and on that evening whilst watching it, the coin very loudly dropped into place, and I realised the whole reason why Crabtree is speaking this really ridiculous English. Yes, it's because he's English. Yeah. Yes, pretending, but pretending everyone else to be French. Yeah. But, it, but everyone else is speaking French yes. as far as yeah. we're concerned. But we're hearing them in English, so we're yes. hearing their perfect French as perfect English. And he's coming in. Good morning. Yeah, I was busting by the door. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> Classic. Well, he's really, oh. he's really undercover as well. Yeah. He's an yeah. undercover uh, Englishman masquerading as a French policeman. Yeah. And I'm sat so. there in the stalls going, "Why is it taking me thirty years to realise <laughs> it?" But you see, I think Hello, Hello, the musical, but yeah, an absolute scream, yeah. and I'm just dying. So, if there are any lyricists or composers out there, get to it. This is a this is a master stroke for me. It's a project so, for David Holland. A, I've got to play <laughs> Officer Crabtree. I'm afraid yes. that's the only condition. It's my idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's that's it for yeah. me. I'll, I'll be made then. I shall retire if I can play Officer Crabtree. <laughs> Kate, how about you? Um, I don't know. I don't know very many modern musicals. I know that's terrible, isn't it? Do you know what? I think when I was younger, I probably would have loved to have played Matilda because the show is epic and I, I, we, I was lucky enough to go and see it on the West End when it opened. Mm. So that would have been, I think, growing up, I would have loved to have played that. However, I am 
way too old for that. So I'll just have to let Aelin do it at yeah. some point yeah. in the future. Yeah. Just live She'll, it through her. Yeah, just, yeah for yeah, one just generation it was, all, it was Annie. Yeah. Uh, in, and now now you're right. It's yeah. Matilda's that got to be the yeah. part for, for young girls. That'd be fab, wouldn't it? Yeah, amazing. I, do, I could do that as a sex change. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah I mean, there's got to be a... I don't see why you, these days you can't, you know, just change all the genders of all the characters in a well, show and, they, yeah. and do it in reverse. They you are know? doing that with a lot of things. I mean, a couple of years ago they had uh, company and they changed Bobby from a woman, a, a man to yeah. a woman. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, okay. A lot of parts these days in some of the musicals are now written freely enough to be interpreted in, in, yeah. in yeah. Or whichever gender you want. So yeah. Yeah. we could perhaps we should do that. Yeah. Although Officer Crabtree is definitely a man, of course, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and the role is for you. Phil. Thank you. <laughs> so, as we're talking with with sex changes, then, if you could play any role of the opposite gender, what would it be? Ooh, blimey! I think I would go for. Everyone's talking about Jamie. Oh I'd yeah, be Jamie Moon. Yeah, because that is the best. It's such a good show, and it is the. It's just, it's just such a fantastic role. Not just as in it's you've got that sort of campy show version, but just the story and the the characterization. It's, it's just funny it's brilliant, and it's sassy, and, and, and emotional. Yeah. And yeah, when I went to, when I saw it on the screenings over here, I think so you would, yeah, yes. was, I was. Yeah, you laugh and cry. Yeah. Like it's it's such a fantastic show. So yeah, I would go for that. Yeah, especially when it comes to he's my boy. Oh, don't honestly, I was a mess out there. <laughs> so was Emma because we've got a blonde little boy. Yeah, <laughs> I was just sat there just thinking about like William and George. Like oh my god. <laughs> mm. Well, you see, I'm a great Sondheim fan, so for me, it will be any of the great female roles in Sondheim. Um, Into the Woods is one of my favourites, mm. and there are loads of female characters in that. There'll be a screen to play. The Witch. Red Riding Hood, The Witch, Cinderella, The Baker's Wife. Yeah. Fantastic parts for women. Um, I have done the show. Obviously, I wasn't playing a female role, <laughs> um, but uh, and it was a great show. Very, very difficult musically to sing. Oh yeah, uh, well, spent, sometimes I, so. I spent the whole show counting myself in. Yeah, and you came in at, at thirteen and at seventeen, oh. and you know it was uh, just absolutely when you weren't. You, it really felt wrong to do, but and bizarre timings a, as well. Great, great show. I loved doing the show. Yeah, that was the last show I did before I moved to the island. So that was. <laughs> Yes, that long ago, 1994, everybody. Yes, because the first time that, that we met was would be 99 for, for Hot Mercado, the first time around. That's right, yeah. Well, I came over in 94. I was I was offered a job. Well, I wasn't offered a job. I was made redundant in the UK, and I was doing um, Into the Woods in December, and we had the Monday off. Yeah. We started on the Saturday, when then Saturday, Sunday, we had Monday off, and then we were doing the rest of the week. And on the Monday, I flew over here, for a job interview. That's a brave thing to do. <laughs> and yeah. flew back again on the same day. Um, oh uh, and got on, got the job anyway, and then moved over later in the January of 94. So that was Christmas 93 I was doing that. So that was my last show. And I went down to the Ops within a week of coming over here. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, we're doing Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I thought, oh, great. So they said, can you audition to be in the Society tonight? This is a Thursday. So I said, yeah, all right. So I auditioned and and got in there and then then auditions for principals were on the Sunday <laughs> and got wow. in and that was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers 94 what part wow. did you play in that? Uh, yeah um, I don't know one of the brothers <laughs> I can't remember what his name was was it Bill? no it wasn't Bill it wasn't Bill <laughs> and it wasn't Office Crabtree uh, I think it was Caleb I cannot honestly swear to that I can't remember yeah. the name 
There is seven of them. There are seven. Yeah, there are seven, for God's sake. Frank and Gideon and Damien. Adam. Adam. Benjamin. Brian. Daniel. Humph- Ephraim. Humphrey. There's no Ephraim. Isn't Ephraim? No. Ephraim? Isn't it Daniel and Ephraim? Aren't they the twins? No, it can't be Ephraim. Surely not. I've no clue. No. Not a clue. I can't remember. E. They, were, they did have, have alphabetical names. So E. Maybe it was Eric. I don't know. Mm. I can't remember. <laughs> okay. Anyway, right. So just after the first lockdown, we created our Spotify playlist. Now, the idea behind this was that me and Neil King, we decided, let's, let's make the ultimate musicals playlist so neil and i we both put 10 songs together to get the playlist set up and and started because no one's going to listen to a playlist with two songs <laughs> so we thought let's put 10 songs in each that way we, we get it started and we chose songs that either songs that we've performed they've come from shows that we've been in or shows that mean something special to us so in amongst my ones the suddenly seymour always wanted to play seymour but never got the chance Aww. an hour too old so that's one of the ones that on my list. I think I'm too old for Seymour now. Seymour needs to be sort of young for it. Wait for it from Hamilton. I absolutely adore Hamilton, and that's a fantastic song. And Seasons of Love was sung by a group of friends at Mine and Emma's wedding, Aww. which was ace. So that's that's that, that was, those were some of the reasons why I put mine in. But looking further down the list, which is getting quite substantial mm. now, we've got uh, oh, Nikki Openshaw chose "You'll Be Found" from Dear Evan Hansen. Liam Bean chose Getting Married Today from Company, and that's the 2018 cast, so that's the one with Bobby as a female. David Artis chose The American Dream from Miss Saigon, which you were in, weren't you? I was, yes. yes. And yeah. We don't talk about that anymore, though, because I was in a bikini on stage and nobody needs to think about that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Laura Corkle chose I Won't Say I'm In Love from Disney's oh, Hercules. Good song. Which I think is one of your favourites, isn't it? Yeah. So, Kate... Go on then, Kate. You go first. What's your song and, and what's what's your reason why? I'm going for because you haven't. I can't see any Hello Dolly on here, and Hello Dolly is my favourite show no, yeah. of all time, and my dream role is Dolly Levi. So I'm going for Before the Parade Passes By from oh. Hello Dolly, and my personal attachment to Hello Dolly is because my nana introduced me to Hello Dolly. She had it on VHS, and she used to put it on when I used to go there in the holidays. And I just fell in love with it because she loved it. So every time I hear any of the music from it, it just makes me think of her. So I would that would be my first choice every time. Brilliant. And Phil, you you were in uh, that show as well, weren't you? I was, yes. Mr. Va- Horace Vandergeld. Horace Vandergeld, yes. <laughs> it sounded a bit more like Jimmy Durante when I did it, but yes. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Good. What's what's your song, Phil? Well, and- obviously, apart from Officer uh, Crabtree's number in Allo Allo the Musical, um, <laughs> which we don't quite know what it is yet. <laughs> good moaning. <laughs> it's good moaning. Um, I, I think I'd probably have to go back to one of two. I was in a show called You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which we took to yeah. the Edinburgh Festival um, when I was in Gloucester, playing to audiences that were sort of like seven you know, <laughs> 20 past three in the afternoon um and there's a a song in that which i quite like um which is called the baseball game um which obviously nobody will ever have heard of and if i can't have that because it's too obscure then i'll go for charlie girl again which is even more obscure and there's a song in that which is a bit like british music hall sort of any old iron sort of uh, yeah. song Aww. and it's a song called fish and chips 
you know, I heard that played on Elaine Page about four or five weeks oh, ago. Oh, right. Okay, well... And I think it was Paul Nicholas, maybe? Yes, that... it was, because Paul oh. Nicholas, they revived it in the 80s. Paul Nicholas would have done it. So my, that was probably my song, Fish and Chips. And because it's the show that I'd just done before I came over here, it's the song I sang for my audition to get into the Manx Ops. Oh, wow. So that will be my song then. Tell you what, Phil, if I can find them both, I'll stick them both on for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, well, guys, I think that is us. Right, yeah, so so thank you very much for, for joining me. Uh, Annie Get Your Gun is running at the Gaiety Theatre from 18th to the 25th of March. On Tuesday the 21st of March, there will be a captioned performance. If you haven't done so already, make sure to get your tickets from villagaiety.com, the Welcome Centre, or by calling 600-555. Phil, Kate, thanks for joining me on the podcast, and I wish you and everyone at the Manx Practice Society all the very best for Annie Get Your Gun. Thank you thank very you. much for having us. Thank you. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Don't forget, coming up this week at Kensington Arts on Friday 17th and Saturday the 18th of March, the National Theatre Connections Isle of Man Group are staging their production of Innocent Creatures, which is their entry into this year's National Theatre's Connection Competition. Each year, the National Theatre commissions 10 brand new plays for young people to perform, bringing together some of the UK's most exciting writers with the theatre makers of tomorrow. 300 youth theatre companies and over 6,000 young people from every corner of the UK are producing a Connections play this year. The Innocent Creature synopsis says, Soon, very soon, Big Ben will be underwater surrounded by ice flows, which is where we meet Enid and Mia, as they wait to be rescued by the robots in helicopters who will take them to the Holiday Inn to be reprogrammed. Fast forward a few thousand years where Enid and Mia meet again, just as the scorching hot sun is about to set one final beautiful time. A thought-provoking experience set in the future, both imminent and far away. Join them on this adventure before the world ends. Now there is a note to this. It says parental discretion is advised as this show contains coarse language and mature themes. Some lighting used in the show that may be disruptive to people who are sensitive to light. Now the cast includes... Rowan Weeks, Sophie Heinsen, Fionn Holder, Lacey Cannell, Scarlett Brophy, Eve Pazar, Lexi Forbes, David Livesey, Joey Hills, Imogen Cowell, Lola Sutton, Emily Musgrove, Maddie Wood, Sophie Hewitt, Zach Colligan, and Anna Bragaglia. Apologies, Anna, if I've pronounced your surname wrong. Also at Kensington Arts in the coming months, we have Everybody's Talking About Jamie, Teen Edition, from the 20th to 22nd of April, and Disney's Frozen Junior from the 27th to the 29th of July. Tickets will be available to book for all of these performances by visiting their website, kensingtonarts.im. Well, with that, we bring episode 44 to a close. Thanks once again to Phil and Kate for joining me on the podcast, and we wish them and everyone involved at the Manx Operatic Society's production of Annie Get Your Gun all the very best for their run. If you've not done so already, you can get your tickets from thevillagaity.com or by calling 600-555. Remember to like and follow our social media pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching for Manx Theatre Podcast, and that's all one word. There's 70 tracks there now, and nearly five hours of show tunes there to satisfy your musical theatre needs. 
If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote on a future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is to say thanks for listening, and I hope you join me again next time. I've been Neil Callan, and you've been listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast, taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. For me.